Hey everyone, this is Heather, and you're listening to Simply Healed with Heather Leonard. Today's episode is called The Answer to Why Is This Happening to Me? And oh boy, this episode's gonna be a fun one because let me just say if you cringe at the response that it's not happening to you, it's happening for you. I am with you, but I want to shed some light on where that came from and why that's valuable. So here we go, guys. Okay, I'm going to start with my uh, apologies for my itchy, scratchy, slurpy dog. (laughs) He's here. He's ready to support and follow along with this podcast today. So uh, (laughs) this episode was really sparked from, you know, I like this comment that when people beg and for the answer of like, why is this happening to me? I actually really like the idea that it's not happening to you, it's happening for you. But I also cringe internally when I hear it because it's one of those cliche things that just is so like, a I don't know. It just kind of hits wrong when people hear it because no one wants to believe our worst moments, the worst stuff that we're stuck going through is for our benefit somehow, <laughs> right? It doesn't like land in a good way. It just doesn't. Uh, so why do we keep saying it and where does it come from? Because I think all of these old cliches are, you know, born of really quality reasons. You know, there's a reason that this stuck and there's a reason that we say it so often I do believe that we're not growing when things are just easy, right? I'm not going to get into a whole episode on this. Don't worry. Don't go anywhere and shut me off just because (laughs) you don't like that I'm going down this road. But I do want to say there's some value to that, right? I think that's where it, it started from and took root was because for sure, we're not growing when we're not challenged, right? I mean, the easy stuff in life, you know, you see the people who don't struggle for it and it's like they don't even really appreciate it. So in that sense, the saying makes sense. And I think where it gets a little, mm, I don't know, icky (laughs) is when you really stop to think that every time something bad happens, it could be some act of God trying to help you to grow through your troubles. And that's a hard one to sort of stomach because, you know, I mean, I know I feel worthy of growing in the absence of challenges. I know I feel like, you know what, I like to, I have this internal push. I like to try to strive to be my personal best. I don't think I need anybody to trip me up. I've been tripped up enough, right? So, I mean, I get in my own way enough. I don't need God doing it. So what it is, is when I look back over my life, I can see that I I did have steady growth. You know, if you look at it like a a chart, I would have been a steady rise, you know, with a lot of dips along the way where you like screw up and you learn from it. But every time one of those little like things happen where you just go, oh, I really messed up on that. Like a college application, maybe you didn't get into the school you wanted. And then in hindsight, you went, oh my gosh, that was the worst ever um, essay that I wrote or whatever. And you learned from it and you grew. And the next time you weren't going to do that, you're going to do so much better, right? I mean, that's just an example. But, um, you know, things like that. There's these little bumps. And then from that, you go, oh, all right. And then you adjust and pivot. And how do we ever figure out how to do those little adjusts and pivots? Well, we got to get knocked down, right? So I think that's sort of where it started to take off from. And what I've found also is that when I had those little screw ups, um, 
I made a little improvement. So <laughs> here's the part where I think, you know, where is this, why is this amazing person getting cancer? Why is this, ooh, sorry, I just spilt tea all over myself. <laughs> oh, so yeah, like a little thing like that, am I going to really shake it off and say, oh, well, that happened for a reason so I could grow well? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> maybe I just splashed on myself so that next time I wouldn't spill the entire glass over my computer and, you know, <laughs> maybe, there's maybe in there, but um yeah, no, I think that the problem is every time those little things happened, I had little adjusts. Now, when I look back over my life path, especially over the last three, four or five years, whatever, as we got hit with a cancer diagnosis, as we got hit with major hits, you know, the loss of my husband from those big hits. Oh, did I rise so much higher than when I just, you know had these little experiences where little wrongs happened, like splashing my tea on my lap, you know, or not getting even, even not getting into college. That might feel so pivotal to some 18 year old kid who's got this one school that's everything and it's going to pave their whole future. But truly those things don't matter so much, you know, and, and I don't think in the moment you can see that, but certainly looking back, I know the one college that I really wanted to get into, oh, I didn't do the early apply. I don't remember why. I do remember there being a specific reason why I didn't do that. But their program filled up with just the early entries. So I was basically, instead of getting accepted into their PT program, I was accepted into their OT program, um, which is occupational therapy, which wasn't what I was interested in for you know my career. Um, basically saying that if I wanted to try again, you know that I could, but that they were already full. Um, I was devastated, like just devastated from it. It felt like a um, big blow <laughs> to the to everything. You know, you thought, oh, I had everything in a row. I, can't, I wish I could remember now what held me off from doing the early entry. Um, but I think there was something, whether I didn't have SAT scores yet. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? But everything for a reason, you know? So I ended up going to probably a lesser program even. If I'm being totally honest, the PT program I went to, maybe wasn't quite as difficult. I mean, there was maybe not as much competition for it. Maybe there wasn't, I don't know, hadn't been around as many years. I don't know why I had determined this other one was superior, but I had. Um, maybe just better marketing, who knows, from <laughs> from the one I wanted to go to. But, um, or it might have had nothing to do with that. It might have just been I really liked that campus, and I don't know. What's ironic is um, <laughs> my future husband was at the college I ended up going to, you know, the love of my life was there. Ironically enough, the person I was dating when I was in high school ended up going to the other school. So interesting, right? Two paths and two choices. And God led me to where I was supposed to be. And at the time, I would have been crushed to have thought of it that way, that, you know, this was all happening for some betterment, some better reason, purpose, whatever. Ugh. No, um, it did feel like it was happening to me at that time. It felt like, you know, I just felt attacked. I felt like I had been crushed and that my prayers weren't answered and all of the things. Um, but now look at, can like when we got that cancer diagnosis, oh, we prayed, by the way, that my husband was going to, this is so crazy, actually. He turned and looked at me. I'll never forget it. He said it over and over and over and over and over. But in the elevator, leading up to the appointment with the first neurosurgeon that was really taking a look at his, um, you know, his brain tumors, because we had already heard that they thought it was melanoma based on 
MRI images, which we didn't think that was something you could diagnose. So over and over, my husband kept saying to me, They're gonna, I'm going to sit down in his office. He's going to review the MRI. He's going to come in and tell me it was all a mistake. This is a misdiagnosis. I don't think that's what you have. He said it so many times, so completely, and like over and over with complete conviction, all the way in the elevator, all the way to that appointment. We are waiting for the neurosurgeon to finish reviewing the MRI, and it's taking what feels like forever. I mean, we had to have been in there 45 minutes. And he looked at me and said, I don't care. It's because he's going to come in here and say, this is a misdiagnosis. <laughs> and this is, and you know, and the whole thing, he re- like spieled it right out again. Would you believe that when he came in, the words that he said were exactly what my husband had predicted, anticipated, expected? Exactly, verbatim. This isn't what we thought it was. I don't think it's that. And I mean, let's just say we celebrated in Boston that night thinking that our world has just been saved. Our prayers have just been answered, you know, and we felt somehow like we had gotten our answer that we needed and wanted. Little did we know that the next surgery they did to remove those tumors was then going to show that, no, it wasn't in fact what they had diagnosed with, but it was worse. So, you know, you just don't know. Um, and But we certainly wanted to jump on board with what sounded good and right to us. <laughs> you know, we were happy to celebrate and say, look at us. We've just got a second chance at life. Um, but yeah, I mean... And of course, when we found out after the surgery that, no, this looks like an aggressive melanoma and, and the whole thing. Anyway, because we we went from thinking it was melanoma to thinking it was something else to thinking it was um, melanoma again and worse than we originally thought. But along this roller coaster of things, you know, when we got that information dealt back to us again, that it was bad you know, we felt once again targeted. Isn't it funny how like you can go from feeling like blessed to targeted in a a flip of a moment, you know, just because we're getting what we want, we're not getting what we want. So, I mean, in that sense, (laughs) aren't we sort of the ones that are determining whether it's all great or not? It's like, well, we like this answer. So therefore, you know, this is happening for me (laughs) versus like, well, we don't like how this is going. Then why is this happening to me? You know, (laughs) But, I mean, even in that, who knows? Who knows? Like, I mean, because some, some people will get that and then they'll still end up with a recovery, right? So it, then all of a sudden they flip-flop back again and, oh my goodness, this all happened for a reason. Now I can see it. So <laughs> I don't think any of that's valid. I think that it's our own experiences that we're sort of painting. The de- We're making our decision based upon that. Like, okay, I have been, you know, given a gift. Okay, I am being targeted. And I just think that's where we're going wrong. That's the problem. Is that we can't be, it can't be outcome determined. Determined? That was a good word I just tried to make up. Out- determined by outcome. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. It can't be based upon whether we get what we want or don't as far as whether or not this is happening to me or for me. It just can't. You know, I think the better way of looking at it is when you look in hindsight. It's retrospect that teaches us truly whether things are happening to us or for us. Because a look back over my whole life, I can very easily see that every time the bad stuff happened, something better was right behind the door. But in those moments, 
I felt super targeted, super targeted. And like, there's just no way that anything good's coming from this, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and I had all the reasons why. And, and again, anybody could say, because if you knew my husband, he was amazing. You could look at it and say so easily, well, this is just not one of those circumstances, you know, nothing good. This is just crap. Cause I, I mean, how many times do we want to just hear that life just sucks? It does. And I mean, it's like that feels good to, for people to just acknowledge, no, this is just a bad thing that happened and it just, it does just suck. Yeah. There's nothing good that came out of that little girl getting cancer. That just sucks. It's just one of those things that it just is the worst. But I, if you just see it through that lens, boy, I, I mean, of course I want to shout that from the rooftop. You're wrong, God. This was wrong. There's no good to come from this. But, oh, I hate to say this, but there's already been so much more good that came from my husband's passing. Oh, my God. It like actually physically hurts my heart to say that out loud. Sorry, I have to swallow that one back. It's true, though. I have gotten more texts, emails, messages, comments in my Facebook groups of people who were going to take their own life. And because of the site that I started, it's changed everything for them and it saved their lives. And it's been multiple lives. So who am I to say that his life was more special than any of theirs or the kids or the grandkids that might be saved from their life being spared? I don't, there's such a domino effect, guys. There's so much. So, oh, and I know I've talked on this before on this podcast, how much I tried to almost not do any of the things that would have validated his death because I didn't want God to be right. Like I wanted to dig my heels in and say, nope, you're wrong. See, nothing good came. You know, I talk about this all the time, but it's so true. Like I, I didn't want him to be right. And I knew that I was going to be capable of big things because I was so hurt and so like driven and this huge desire to let something good come out of his loss that I knew good things would happen. I knew that. So it was like this tug of war for me of like, do I let it be? Do I let it be okay? Like he was right and all this had to happen for me to help these people. That's crazy, right? But, um, but why look at it like that? I don't think my husband's suffering anymore. I think if anything, he has a really beautiful vantage point and times are really good for him. He's not dealing with a rainy, cold day right now with whiny, overtired kids that are coming off vacation. <laughs> no, it's that's a, a joke completely because he would give anything to be with those boys. I mean, whether or not it was a whiny, overtired day or not, <laughs> you know, but man, but yeah, so I, in all honesty, though, I do believe that he is being rewarded for what an amazing man he was. And I do believe that the good works and deeds that we continue to do here, through, despite, you know, like all the garbage you've been dealt in your life, because I think everybody's been dealt garbage. Everybody's going to get a, a good dosing of garbage because I think we're being given the opportunity, the mirror, the, you know, the, that possibility to rise up. So if we see it as that, and every time something bad happens, like, wow, God sees something in me. Even right now, like when I already feel like I'm down low and he's hitting me down lower, he's still trying to show me something. I'm not hearing him. You know, like, I, I, what am I going to, and I, that's how I approach it now, is purely from a standpoint of inquisitiveness and just, okay, what do I have to be shown now? What, what do, what? 
piece of growth has to happen? What am I missing in my life? What do I need to see that I'm not seeing? What do I need to hear that I'm not willing to hear right now? You know, what is happening in my experience around me that I needed this awareness to and I was so caught up in myself or in whatever. Like there's something, there's a reason that I'm being given this opportunity. So if you can see your challenges and trials in life as opportunities to better yourself, to find a way through it. I mean, maybe, and I don't, I can't, you know, who knows, (laughs) but maybe if my husband and I, when we got that cancer diagnosis, had found that as the catalyst to not be striving to save his life, not be fighting so darn hard because we spent every second, every second that we could pack into a day trying to fight his cancer. If instead of doing it from that approach, we had taken that time to reflect on, wow, what is really so important in life? What do we need to put first? We probably should have been at church every Sunday, not at, not lining up for second opinions and third opinions and fourth opinions because we didn't like the first opinion. Not to say, guys, again, it's not medical advice. I'm not saying don't go get your second opinions. I'm saying we didn't even stop there. We just kept, like, if we didn't like what you had to say, we're going to keep looking till we find something we like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so it... What I'm saying is instead of having him bounce for the millionth time that day on a trampoline to try to get his lymphatics moving, instead of having to, you know, steam vegetables in the morning and prep vitamins and all all the things we did. I mean, I still would have done a lot of those things. But maybe if we had spent that time going to church that Sunday morning, praying to God, putting God as number one, not as number, you know, what, five, I guess. We put our entire family before God. It was always family. Even though we would say it was God, it was always family first. And if we had truly put on pause everything and put our faith first, and if we had truly like looked at our lives and said, none of this stuff matters, like who cares about the financial stuff, like stop working, like maybe we we should have had him just stop working at that time. And so he could rest his mind and not stress about any of that. But then the problem is, you know, his mind would have gone immediately distressing about all of us and the finances. And you know what I'm saying? So like, it's so hard to say, just release it all, let it go. But I think that cancer opportunity was like us being handed that gift of an opportunity to, to let up, let go of our current way and try a totally new path. And I'm not talking about going from eating fried food and sugars and gluten to being on a vegan, um, organic, you know, supplemented lifestyle because we did all that. (laughs) We did try all of that. And he wasn't even that unhealthy to begin with. He ate salads. We just changed it to organic salads and we made sure that, you know, I mean, it was like all of the wrong emphasis placed on all the wrong things because we were scrambling to save ourselves. We were not extending ourselves beyond our little family bubble to see how can we impact the world and make it a better place, to see how can we put God first in our lives, to say how can we make other people ahead of ourselves. It was still very much like scrambling for our own future, for our own sake, for our own savior. Like, you know what I mean? Like we wanted what we wanted. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's a tough one because I know that I know where many of you who are listening are coming from and I've been in your shoes in a sense, um, never the same shoes, but you know, a similar place of the yeah, buts, because there's a lot of yeah, buts that come in the way of this line of thinking. 
So let's get into that after a quick break, guys. I'm so grateful to have you joining me today. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. So Loss Just Sucks, Grief Doesn't Have To is the name of my healing accelerator that I offer uh, to people who have experienced soul-crushing loss and are looking for help getting through that. It is an incredible program. So many amazing people coming out of it in the light again, instead of feeling like the lights are turned off. I'm super excited about the transformations that have happened. I have information I can send your way if you're interested. Um, It includes testimonials if you want to hear from others who have made it through and are on the other side of it. And um, if you want to send an email to heather at canyoucurecancer.com, I will be sure to send that on to you so you'll have the information and can make a decision for yourself. All right, guys, back to the show. I'm thinking I might have to do an entire podcast episode on yeah, buts. (laughs) It is a very common thing. And it's not that I don't think we're in denial. I just think we we don't think that you know our story when you're saying things that don't resonate with us. It's like, yeah, but you don't know. You don't know this situation. And oh, yeah, buts have gotten in the way of growth for so many people, I feel like. Um, (laughs) I think we all have a million yeah buts, you know, and I think some of them are probably valid. I mean, it's very hard to see and understand a world in which young people pass, um, you know, and especially like, you know, I mean, maybe it's just because I'm in the grief world all the time now, but I hear a lot of stories of, you know, kids that were hit by a drunk driver and things. That seems so senseless. And it seems like the only thing you can say to comfort a parent in that situation is that there was it was senseless. There was nothing good that came from it. It was just not, it should not have happened. Um, and I got to think that any parent who's been through it could also, after the heavy, hard, initial grief of it, step back and look at it and say, there was probably many, many lives that were saved from this story. And does it bring back your person, make it any easier? No, it does. It still feels like you're targeted in the sense that like, why did my kid have to be the example to change these people to get the, you know, the teenager to, to not drink and drive and to call a ride or, you know what I mean? Like you d- Yeah, you can see it and you can understand that your story probably did hit home hard for some people and probably did make them think to call an Uber instead of just, you know, driving their own car home and or, you know, I mean, I'm sure that there's a lot of people who who still say, I don't care what you say. I'm going to tell you right now, this was not meant to be. Um, It's I think that the hard part is we can usually only see the first domino. You know what I mean? Like we're standing in the center. Um, What is that called? Why am I drawing a blank on it? You know, like if you're very small and standing in the center of a whole circular pattern of dominoes around you, and you can only see those dominoes, but yet they're shaped like a sunshine, you know, all these rays sticking out from the dominoes. I don't know if you can picture what I'm trying to lay down here, but, (laughs) you know, if you tap just one, There's so many behind it that you can't see when you're in the center of it, you know? It seems like, you know, all our focus is on what terrible things happened as a result of it. Because I'm sure that had its own rows of dominoes, right? That loss of that child might have 
you know, maybe there was a suicide of a family member. Maybe there was, you know, um, a parent that lost their job. Maybe there was, you know, there's all these other awful things. Maybe there's a sibling who's acting out now and dropped out of school or what. I mean, you can see that so clearly. And when you're at the center of it and your world is the, is the brightest thing you can see, it's so hard to see that domino effect that's still carrying on uh, in the way of positive things coming from it. And I think like there are traumas that people have been through because I'm speaking to grief from loss of a loved one, but I know people have been through terrible things, you know, abuse and things that just doesn't, it, it's hard to rectify in your mind, well, what about this? No, nobody even knew of this story. No other thing could have come from it. But I don't know how far in time you can get from that that thing happening and not be able to have hindsight show you something. Because, I mean, most of the time, none of us want to look back at it all that often to say what has come from that, from that time period, from that, you know, that change of my own world and how I pivoted, you know? And even if it's like, maybe you just held your kids a little tighter because you knew what had happened to you in your own childhood or something like that. Maybe that act had positive effects over their life and their kids' lives. But you can't always see it initially and certainly it's hard to focus on when, when all the other stuff surrounds it and feels icky. Um, but the idea of something happening to you, really think about what those words mean for a minute. Because it's almost like putting yourself in a victim position and saying, all these things that happened, happened to me. Like it was, this was bad acts happening to me. So therefore, it it did happen to me and I am in the victim position here. There's just no way around it. And what what I think of with any traumas that I've ever been through is would I even would I volunteer this? Would I offer to have this happen to me? If five amazing things came from it for others or for myself in the future or for what you know what's your where do you draw your line I guess is the question I mean some of us I mean it is hard not to live selfishly a lot of us do you know instantaneous it's that instantaneous gratification like no I want it I want the good stuff now I'll deal with the rest later when that comes but for me I guess me because I always like to look out to the future of like no, I'll put up with some hard stuff to, you know, I mean, that's always been my way. Like, I don't care how many years of schooling it takes so long as I'm, you know, getting an education for a solid future for myself. That was just kind of like my mindset. And so I think similarly, like, I don't know, put me in a, a position of being tortured and I would still take it if it means that, you know, my kids will be spared or, you know what I mean? Like, so there are times where we'd say, no, I'd give anything. But then when, then I know there's the, <laughs> the there's the people right now rearing up and saying, yeah, but. So the yeah, buts out there saying, well, I, I would do anything for my kids and it is my kid that was harmed or that had something happen to them. Okay. I hear that loud and clear. Um, and just to shed light on the other side of that coin, I think, you know, they probably, they have their own set of things that they would be willing to sign up for in order for good things to happen around them as well. 
So don't forget that. It's hard to see our kids as people themselves with, um, you know, their own their own lives to gamble with, so to speak. I mean, maybe we had a contract before we came to this earth, you know, that we signed up for everything that came to us. Maybe we said, I could endure that so long as this, this, and this. And maybe that's what we got. You know, um, it's hard to imagine. It really is. Because sometimes we're at our absolute lowest. And it's easy when you're there to say, I would take anything but this. You know, like anything but this. I would never have signed up for this. This is the worst. Um, and nobody wants to have to think of a worse scenario, but I bet if you try and stretch your brain, like I usually can come up with a worse scenario. And then I usually am able to find then some peace in, okay, well maybe this was what, how it was going to turn out. And maybe this was the compromise or, you know, I don't know. I don't know. But, um, but now let's get into the happening for me side of things. When you think of things happening for you. That's a whole different line of thinking. That's taking it even a step beyond, like not being the victim. Then there's the this step even further than that of what if not only is it like, you know, not, not that this bad thing's happening to me, but there was other things that could have come out of it that were good. But what if it's actually happening for me? Because there's so much good that can come if this bad thing happens. But none of these great things will come in the absence of that bad thing. So that's like a whole extra step, right? So things happening for you is like saying that you are in the quicksand, but the reason the tree just fell on top of your head was not because it's insult to injury. You know what I mean? I mean, I think some people want to be like, why am I getting hit when I'm down? Stop, enough. Have I not endured enough? Like what God would let this keep falling on my head? Like, are you serious right now? Now a tree's going to fall on me? Or the other side of the coin and the people who seem to strive and thrive and rise above are the people who look at that tree and see, you know, a ladder out, a, some some kind of thing that can be grabbed onto and they can pull themselves out of the quicksand because the tree's now there next to them. Yeah, granted it hits you on the head on the way down, but now you have a tree that you can grab onto, something you can finally grab hold of and pull yourself out of that quicksand with, you know? So that's how I I view it. So this is just my personal way of viewing life because I think if I just focused so much on a tree on my head, <laughs> after I've already fallen in the quicksand, after this, after that, it's like, all right, enough. And when I've hit those points, I have to stop looking at myself in that light of like the person who's having everything happening to them and start seeing like, what have I been given here? You know, I mean, yes, that I don't, I still don't to this day. I'm not at peace with the fact that my husband had to die for anything good to have to happen. I don't like that. I I like to think that God has enough vines up there that he could have found another way. <laughs> but he knows and I don't. So that's where the faith comes in because he obviously saw that this was the best route to the best outcome. Now also, please remember our life is so short. If you believe in eternal life, you believe in this as a blip on a timeline. So if, again, when I know my personality and I know the fact that I'm okay with temporary discomfort for a long-term gain, I'm okay with that. So I have no doubt my husband and I were very aligned in that way. 
him and I would have signed up for this, excuse my language, but this hell that we're going through right now, we would have signed up. We would have said, yeah, we're going to, we're going to do that. And it's going to be misery, but we know that it's going to lead to so much better. It's like, you know, and especially if you think of, you know, all of us as God's children and every single life that can be saved, every single person that can hear a message that can help them on their path. That's that's like all of your siblings, if you think of it that way, right? Like we're all interconnected. And if my tragedy can help so many other people to have a good life or to have to save their life or to have eternal life or to whatever it is, I don't know. But all I'm saying is I probably did sign up for this. I probably did say, you know what, I'll endure it. And so am I going to sit and be mad about it to the things that have happened to me, to the things that have happened, you know, or am I going to say, you know what, it happened for me. You know what, it's it's happening and I now have to find that branch because if I just got knocked on the head with a tree, there's a branch somewhere. You know what I mean? Find it, grab a hold of it and pull yourself up. Rise not just above the the quicksand sinkhole, but rise, like climb the darn tree. <laughs> you know what I mean? Get all the way up to the next tree and climb to the top of that one. Just keep going and see where it brings you, you know, because I never would have been right here, right? In this place and time doing what I'm doing. Mm-mm. I will say I had a lot of these things as dreams of mine. I someday wanted to do a podcast and a blog and run a company and, but life was happening and we were busy and we were, I mean, we were loving our life and enjoying it, but it made me back burner a lot of the things that had potential to, for betterment of humankind, you know, of other people outside of our core family of four. So I wasn't choosing to do that stuff when things were good and not shaken up, you know? And so I am choosing to do it now and all I can keep reminding myself is that any amount of just digging in my heels won't bring him back. Um, you know, it won't undo any of the tragedies or things that happened or that we were th- went through. So there's no undoing that now. So why sit and sulk or be the victim or or be able to just hang my hat on the fact that I was dealt some garbage and survived it? That's really not doing anything good. <laughs> you know, I mean, Sure, I can commiserate with others and, you know, but uh, I don't know. I, I want to see how much of a mark I can make now on this world. Like, I want to see how how much I can help my kids to become people who can, you know, change the world and, and do things for others and just simple acts of kindness. I shared this with my um, Facebook community, but it was a really sweet moment when, <laughs> I, I guess maybe I should tell the whole story, but, uh, well, I... <laughs> Our last day at a park on a vacation, I'll just say that, I got bit in the foot by a snake. (laughs) And so, oh, ironically enough, I was able to hold my composure and see the light in it and to like just not make a big scene and drama and just move on and carry on. And anyway, on the shuttle bus ride home, we were kind of hoping we could sit. I especially was kind of hoping to get my foot up. But when we got on the bus, all seats are taken except one. And my nine-year-old loves to sit on the shuttle bus at the end of a day because he's exhausted. And his little feet have carried him miles and miles and beyond. And he is just pooped and wants to like sleep. It's basically way past his bedtime. 
So I give him the seat and he's like, are you sure you can have it? I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. I said, you sit because it's easier. Like him holding on to the bars and things here in the corners is like dangerous anyway. But then this mom and dad and their two kids, like a three, uh, she was probably like four-year-old daughter. And then um, maybe like not even a year-old son hop on and she's got him in her arms. And I said, oh, honey, get up. There's a baby. And he immediately hopped out of his seat and gave her his seat. And... I looked around and there was like this stirring on the bus. As soon as he had that act of kindness and was willing to give his seat up, I saw person after person in these families standing up and offering a seat to the elderly, a seat to the, you know, younger children on the on board. And I mean initially I was kind of like, why the heck didn't they do that to begin with? It seems like I mean, I always do that. Like the first thing in my mouth is like, can I you know, do you want to see? Because it just seems like I'm I'm a fully capable adult, <laughs> you know, like I have my full health. I should be grateful for that. You know, offer your seat to somebody sometime and t- just it feels good. Anyway, um, I think what happens is at these parks, we're exhausted. And at the end of the day, we all just collapse and we forget manners and human humanity and all this stuff. But um, but like his little spark of just you know, complete selflessness in that moment out of a nine-year-old it inspired others. And, and it was a beautiful thing to watch. Um, and I guess what I'm getting at with this story is just, well, there's a lot to be learned from that story, but for sure, along the lines of things happening to you or for you, one little act It changed everybody's day. I mean, who knows how much it could have changed. Maybe somebody would have fallen over and broken an ankle. But it it, even it's just in that little moment in time of such a small act, so many people were reminded of something that we should all have in the forefront of our minds but escapes us at times. And like when you really think about the power of a small, small thing, like giving up your seat, um... I got goosebumps just thinking about it. It was, you know what it is? It's because the family was so grateful. Kept Like they were just so shocked, almost like nobody had ever done that, which to me is crazy. I mean, I don't know. That's kind of crazy, but it it's true. Like I, I had seen it time and time again on all these shuttles. This was our last day of our vacation. So we'd been witnessing it for a while. And um, we ended up just sparking up a bunch of friendships on this shuttle bus with people around us and having these great conversations. It was amazing. And my soul smiled that day because I knew it was because my little men were growing into wonderful adults. And that, you know, I know they're still very much young people, but they have the heart of like a hundred men sometimes, you know, it's incredible to watch them. And selflessly, because I know, I know my youngest enough to know he wanted to whine about it. He wanted to have that seat. But as soon as he saw the need, his heart leapt for like the ability to do that for somebody without even a thought. I said it to him. He hadn't even seen him get on on the bus yet. Uh, I was facing that direction. But he immediately was like glad to do it. There was no argument. There was no nothing. There was, you know, and... I think if we can celebrate those moments and then recognize that a teeny little act did that, some of these hardships we've been through, the real tough stuff, like going back to what I said at the beginning, you know, if all these little things inspired little changes, these big things that happened to us, there's big things going on around you, whether you want to know it or don't know it or believe it or what, I don't know, but I believe it wholeheartedly in the depths of my soul that 
when the big stuff happens, big positive things are happening as well. It's like a yin and yang kind of thing, you know? There's no, there's a light side and a dark side that if if a whole bunch of garbage just happened to you, there's a counterbalance to that. There's a whole bunch of good somewhere going on. And so none of us want to have to be the one to necessarily give up our seat when we're exhausted. It can feel good to the heart to know that you were the inspiration for the good stuff around you happening. That your act of doing something you didn't want to have to go through or you didn't want to have to endure, it still was like that catalyst. It was the thing that now is going to allow so many other people to benefit from. And and just keeping that in your heart sometimes can just be enough to sort of get you through a moment. You know, that's that's what I would say. Like when you get that cancer diagnosis, when you have the, you know, abuse or a, a tragedy or a loss of a loved one or whatever it is, if you can just see that that thing happening to you, there's something really good happening somewhere else for someone else. I mean... You don't have to love it. Your feet can still hurt because you're standing on the shuttle bus, right? But maybe just maybe it can ease the pain of it a little bit. You know, um, I know for me, standing on a snake bitten foot, it didn't hurt me so much when I knew that this mama wasn't having to hold her baby and try to balance at the same time standing on this crazy cornering shuttle bus, you know, for fear of her child. My foot didn't hurt. You know, I don't remember feeling the pain of that bite the whole ride home or the blisters on my feet from wearing flip-flops in a park where I should have been wearing sneakers or any of the things. I don't remember that because I was so focused on the light in the moment and the beauty that was happening and the inspiration around us. So just keep your eyes open. See if you can uh, witness any of those things around you because I think it helps us to really stop seeing ourselves as victim and having things happening to us and really start to embrace that they're happening for us and not just us, but for others because of us. (laughs) So I hope that inspired you a little bit today, guys. I'm very happy to be back with you again and I'm looking forward to the next one. So I hope you keep coming back. All right, guys, thanks again for joining.